0: Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler long as I stood, I looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then I took the other just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though, as for that passing there, had worn really about the same, and both that morning equally lay, in leaves no no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Thank you to Robert Frost for writing that poem that I come to over and over again. The road not taken, which road do we take? Taking one road over the other is like stepping over the person we might have been. This is something my dad used to say to me over and over again. And we have to be okay with that. And luckily, Christians are oftentimes actually okay with that. We're not so uncomfortable with figuring out which road to take because we know that God is right there with us, right there, every step. Isaiah 30, 21, your teacher will be right there, local and on the job, urging you on whenever you wander right or left. And this is the right road, walk down this road. I wanna share three things today that I've been thinking about over the past few months and years. The first is the best yes. So say no until the best yes is obvious. The second is open doors. Look for them, they're there, go through. And the third is to seek truth and not just find it, but do something with it, take action. So, Japheth gave my secret away. I am a professor at CU Boulder, and I will be using a few of the active learning techniques today in my talk with you that we use in my classroom. So these include pair-share and the one-minute paper. Now, all my students know what that means, And you will get to learn what that means today, so be ready for that. Why are these topics so important to me? Because I lead a woman's life, and they are important to women. They are also important to men and children and all humans alike, but especially important to women. A woman's life often feels out of balance we have too many things to do it seems we have family to spend time with to take care of we have kids that we need to give love to and hug other friends kids that we need to help guide through their lives we have work we either work at home or we work outside the home or we do both we also have ourselves to take care of we need a haircut once in a while We need to exercise. We like to try to eat healthy. We also like to have some kind of peace of mind. How do we get that in this crazy world? You know, we also accept assignments that aren't ours. How many of us have done that? And we have this fear of missing out. We're afraid to hurt somebody's feelings. So we often don't know which door to go through, which road to take, when to say yes, when to say no. And we don't have time to take truth and take action. I just don't have the time. So we'll talk about this today. So I watched this movie recently. It's called Joy. I mean, how do you not watch a movie called Joy? Well, it turns out this is the name of the woman in this this movie, and it's loosely based on a real woman's life. It tells the story of a divorced Long Island mother, played by Jennifer Lawrence, who invents a detachable, self-wringing mop to save women the time and agony of wringing out this mop every time they have to clean their bathrooms. It's brilliant. And she overcomes significant obstacles to develop this wildly successful enterprise, first with QVC and later with the Home Shopping Network. And Joan Rivers even makes a cameo. It's just a really fun movie and it's set in the 50s. But as the movie was developing I was so overwhelmed of this feeling of like terror and thankfulness that this wasn't my life. This terror overcame me because this one scene made me just cringe. I thought I was going to have to turn the movie off. It's in the beginning. Joy is getting ready to go to work at the airport where she operates the airline counter, which by the way, they fire her and make her take the night shift. And she has her depressed mom who sits in the bed all day and night watching soap operas. Gotta take care of her. She has these two beautiful children she has to take care of. She has this divorced husband who who can't get a job, but is living in her basement practicing his singing, because that's what he does. She has this father who divorced her mother years ago, and he's a nutcase. And he shows up on her door because he got kicked out of his house and now wants a place to live. And then the floor springs a leak because of the pipe and she has to fix that. And I was like, how is she going to get through her life? (laughs) I just could barely take it. And yet somehow I identified, even though my life looks quite different, right? Do you feel that? But it all turns out, it all turns out, she chooses the best yeses after hitting a pretty big low, and she gets her courage, and she goes through her open doors, and she goes through them again and again because sometimes they close in her face. And she draws on our inner strength and succeeds in creating her life. So the road not taken, the best yes, the open door, this we're going today. Ruth 1-1. We'll start there. Once upon a time, it was back in the days when judges led Israel. There was a famine in the land. Here, Naomi's husband chooses a road. He takes his family to Moab. And this choice ultimately leads to two things. Significant hardship for Naomi, his wife. The meeting of Ruth coming into the story and Jesus of all things. We'll return to this a little bit later. So, what is the best yes? I love this saying. It is fully playing your part, and every part's different. My part's different than yours, but you're playing it fully in your life, obviously and completely. It's a grand story. This idea is fleshed out in a phenomenal book that Dina loaned me by Lisa Turkhurst. How many of us say yes to whatever, because we are too scared, too busy to be honest, and so we don't say, I can't, no, not at this time. We say yes to so much that we actually miss our calling. And what Lisa calls our best yes assignments. All the while, the acid of overactivity eats our souls, eats holes in our souls. And from these holes leak the cry of an unfulfilled calling that never quite happened. So a key idea here is this best yes assignment is about a woman finding her way to serve and shine in her best yes moments. Okay, that sounds great, but how do we do that? So I'm going to share with you a few ideas. So here's the first key idea. Schedule time for your dreams. What is that one soul thing for you? And how much time in the day do you spend on this dream? How much time do you have available that God gives you each week to spend on your dream? Lisa figured it out in her book, and she had three and a half hours. I have about five hours, so right now we're going to do an active learning technique called the one minute paper where I'm going to invite you to find out how much time you have. So take your connect card from your worship guide and take a minute, write down your dream, write down a dream, your dreams. Is it to write a book? I have a friend with me here today whose dream was to write a book. And thankfully, she took the time to write that book and to help millions of mothers who work figure out how to breastfeed while on the job. It was awesome. Do you want to change careers? I have a few friends who are thinking about doing that. Do you want to meet a life partner? I also have a few friends thinking about doing that. How about volunteering at school with your kids? Dreams are big or small, it's all good. So take some time, I'll be quiet and write down your dream. Now you get to do a quick calculation. Assess all your responsibilities in the day. What time do you get up? How much time do you spend getting ready for the day? What do you do during the day? What do you do when you come home during the day? What do you have to do after that? How much time do you sleep? Is there any time in there for your dream? Could be a half hour, could be 15 minutes, could be an hour. So think about that and write that number down. And after you have that number, multiply it by six. I'm gonna say six because seven is the Sabbath and you don't actually have to do anything on your Sabbath. And I hope that number is bigger than three and a half, bigger than five, maybe it's six. And hold that number in your mind and see if you can't come to a place of maybe spending some of that time on your dream the next week. Schedule it. That's what Lisa did. Seven to seven thirty, I'm off duty. That's my dream time. So, how do we say yes to the best yes assignments and no to all others? Okay, we'll continually talk to God for the small and the big things. God is always there, ready and willing to offer. Sometimes we hear nothing, that's okay. I always complain that I usually hear nothing and my sister always hears something. And that's the way it goes, right? Then we must do our best, we use our wisdom, and sometimes we actually aren't listening, and sometimes we get a real clear direction. If you're inclined to say yes, honestly wait a few days. Take a deep breath, say, I'll get back to you. Allow your wisdom to engage Allow God time to speak to you. Honestly, if you don't hear clear guidance after a bit, then go with your best guess and guess what that best yes is, right? Sometimes we know what that answer is and sometimes we don't. And then we must sit and wait until the answer becomes clear. Or it doesn't and then we must still decide. So I do this all the time. And we can practice on the small yeses. Little small things, and what I loved about Dina's talk last week was she gave us ways to do a yes so easily, right? You see somebody, take a yes and tell them how valuable they are. You think of somebody in your mind, like one Sabbath I thought of Janelle, I don't know why. And she wasn't here because she was somewhere else, I know where you were, Glenwood Springs, watching the service on her phone. And I texted her, I'm like, hi Janelle, miss you today, what you doing? She says, hi, I'm watching the service. (laughs) That's really great. So take time when when you think of somebody, right? I wanna share with you a short example because It was a small, small yes for me. I enrolled Renee, my daughter, in a vacation Bible school here. But of course, when the week came, it became jam-packed with stuff. Monday was the first day of vacation Bible school, and Renee had been invited to her best friend's birthday party. And I agonized. Should I send her to the party? Should I bring her to vacation Bible school? My best yes in that moment was to San Renee to the birthday party. Tuesday came, and again, that bi- vacation Bible school morning, I was like, what do I do about vacation Bible school? Because now my mom was in town, my whole family was together, and I thought, well, maybe now my best yes is to have a family dinner before my mom leaves on Wednesday. So I prayed to God, because I said, I'm talking about the best yes, i got to practice on the small things, so God, here's my best yes at the moment. God said, fine. And I went along with my day, (laughs) and then a little bit later, Ken says to me, oh, I'm not gonna be home tonight on Tuesday night because I'm taking Luke rock climbing. Okay, so a family dinner is not in the picture. So I prayed again, okay, God, did you see that? There's no family dinner now, but my mom's still here. (laughs) What do I do with my mom? Do I bring her to vacation Bible school? Help me out. The day went on, and then it actually turned out my mom wasn't feeling well, and she really wanted to stay home and rest. So the best yes changed from no to yes. So Renee and I came to Vacation Bible School, and we had such much, so much fun. And Renee said to me, Mommy, Mommy, that was so much fun. Can I come next week too? But unfortunately, we only do Vacation Bible School for one week a summer. So we came most every other night that week, and it was really sweet. Another story about the best yes, and this is a big yes. When I had Luke, my son, I got to stay home for 10 months from my job at CU Boulder. And then when I realized I had to go back and teach classes to engineering students in the fall, I about died. I was like, I can't do this. And I really just wanted to stay home. I wanted to call them and say, yeah, thanks, but find another professor, right? And i prayed and i just didn't know what to do and finally it came to me that you know god said you have a great job shelly you worked hard to get here you went through a lot of open doors a lot of closed doors so why don't you just go back and check it out and if it doesn't feel right in the spring you can quit so that was my plan and ken made it happen luke made it happen He would roll up at noon in the van with Luke, and I'd rush out and breastfeed and do my thing with my baby and then go back and be the professor, right? And I kept tuning in, does this feel good to me? Does that work? And it actually was feeling okay to me. And so I decided that this was the right yes to stay with my job, to do as much as I could, mixing the job and family together. And for the most part, it's worked out really, really well. So that was a big yes for me. Let's move on to the idea of open doors, which is related, but a little different. My favorite quote from one of my favorite bands, the Talking Heads song called Once in a Lifetime, goes like this. And you may ask yourself, well, how did I get here? (laughs) I'd say that all the time. How did I get here? Like even this morning, how did I get here? (laughs) Japheth asked me and I actually said yes. And over the time, my answer is I got here through many doors, many open ones, many closed ones, ones I halfway got through and then they got shut in my face. And that happens, right? The ones that get shut in your face redirect you. So I decided to go and get a PhD because I thought I wanted to be a professor. I had no idea why I wanted to do that, really. I had a great, I had one female professor my whole career in college, and she was amazing. And I wanted to be like her. That's how it turned out. She has no idea. I don't even remember her name. (laughs) So I decided to go to graduate school and get my PhD. Well, I show up and I start taking this program called Independent Oh, I can't even remember it. Operations, research, and industrial engineering. It's a great field, it wasn't for me. I didn't really resonate with it, and I went through my first PhD prelims and failed miserably. Then I went home and spent the whole night crying in my bed, thinking, what am I gonna do? What's my life coming out to be? So that door was shut in my face, and That's okay, because then my friend said to me, well, I'm taking a great class called Intro to Environmental Engineering. It's really fun, why don't you take it with me? And so I did. And that led me now to hear I'm a professor of environmental engineering. So these are these strange doors that open and close and you just gotta, like, how do you figure it out, right? So I recently heard John Ortberg speak at the One Project in San Diego about open doors. He wrote this book called All the Places to Go, How Will You Know? and intertwined is Dr. Seuss, it's really fun. It's about open doors and his ideas really helped deepen my understanding. The open door and the best yes, these are similar but different ways of looking at how we should live our biggest, fullest life. So how do we decide to go through a door? And what is a door? Well, it sort of keeps going the wrong direction for me, sorry. Ah, an open door is the great adventure of life because it means the possibility of being useful to God. So Frederick Buchner writes in The Sacred Journey, to journey for the sake of saving our own lives is, little by little, to cease to live in any sense that really matters. Even to ourselves, because it is only by journeying for the world's sake, even if the world bores and sickens and scares you half to death, that little by little we start to become alive. So what matters is the adventure of the journey, who you become once you go through the door. In fact, often, God doesn't even care what the door is. It doesn't really even matter often to God because really he wants you to make a choice. He wants you to decide and he wants to see who you become after you go through the door. Do you become better, serving more people? Do you become more loving and kind? Or do, do you become grumpy? All right, that's really important to God. Decision-making is an important part of character building, becoming wise, and that's the point of all of this. Okay, so now another active learning technique. We call pair-share. That means you will actually, this is for the extroverts, and the one-minute paper is for the introverts, all right? So the pair-share means you turn to the person next to you, and you share with them one open or one closed door that got you to where you are today. If you're all by yourself, you can join a, a, a couple of people, elia <laughs> Now the really good professor lets this go on and on, and then the class is over, so. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. How do we decide if we should go through an open door? Well, I wanna encourage you to go practice on small doors, and here's one. You show up at the airport, you're ready to get on your plane, and you see this woman in front of you who has two small children, a stroller, a big bag, and sure looks like she could use some help getting on the airplane. What do you do? So here's the five-step process for choosing an open door. Recognize the opportunity. You see this woman, she needs help. You recognize the opportunity. You identify your options. Okay, my option is I could take the time, put my bags down and help this woman on the plane. Or I could just not because I'm overwhelmed, tired, and grumpy, and I just can't deal. You can then evaluate. All right, is this the right thing for me? Check in, am I happy, am I grumpy, am I going to work? Then you choose. All right, that's step four, just choose. Okay, I choose to help her. I offer to wheel that stroller for her, and we go on the plane. And at first, she says, no, 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 I'm fine, as all women do, I'm fine, I can do this, I got it. But no, really, it's a lot, so I I wheel the stroller for her. The fifth step is really important. It's to learn, to assess, to step back and say, gosh, that felt really good to help her. Oh, I'm actually happy now. Or, this was a great moment to connect with another human being, and and that creates community. A little wave in the the universe, right? And God smiles, right? So again, five steps. Recognize the opportunity, identify your options, evaluate and choose, and then learn. Okay, but you got these big doors. I got to take a new job in Seattle, Daniel. It's a huge door, and I know that you follow the right, the right way, and I know God was talking to you. We all have big doors, right? What do we do? It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. So one clue I have for you is don't make decisions in the wrong emotional state. Calm down if you're angry. Become a little centered if you're excited. And again, take a little time. Step back and say, wait. I'll get back to you. And I also have a fourth rule, which means if it involves my family, I always say, I gotta talk to Ken first, and I'll get back to you. Let's go back to the story of Ruth. Many open doors are actually clear invitations for God to make our lives count for the sake of others. And we know lots of stories where we ran away from those obvious open doors, right? This is one characteristic of an open door in the Bible what we see with Ruth. Back to the beginning, Ruth 1. We start in a time of famine, and Elimelech takes his family to Moab. But then, as I said, Naomi experiences hardship. He dies, leaving Naomi a widow. The two sons take two Moabite wives, Oper and Naomi. They live in Moab for the next 10 years, but then the two brothers die. Now, the Bible says, the woman was left without either her young man or her husband. And this all happens in the first five verses of Ruth. Talk about tragedy on the road taken. But then comes Ruth's open door moment. Naomi got herself together along with her daughters-in-law to leave Moab and head for home because she heard the famine was over. They start off down the road to Judah, but after a little while, Naomi tells her daughters-in-law, you know. Go back home, go back to stay with your moms and take care of your family, be in your community. Why are you coming with me to Judah? And may God treat you graciously as you treated me and your deceased husbands. May God give each of you a new home and a new husband. The Bible says she kissed them and cried openly. This tells me that there was a lot of love between these three women and they had been through much together. These are really precious feminine moments, aren't they? At first they refused but Naomi was firm and again they cried openly. Orpah then chose. She decided to go back home to live with her people and the Bible says Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. Then Ruth chose. Ruth embraced her and held on. In verse 16 and 17, they should be highlighted in your Bible. Ruth said, don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go, I go and where you live, I live. Your people are my people, your God is my God. Where you die, I'll die and that's where I'll be buried. So help me God, not even death itself is gonna come between us. That is so much love. So Naomi conceded and they went to Bethlehem. And why is this important? Because Naomi in a, roadship of har- in a road of hardship and Ruth, and her best-yes decision of pure love leads to Jesus. How? Ruth met Boaz, they had a son, Naomi became like a second mother to this boy, and they finally lived happily ever after. They named him Obed, and Obed became the father of Jesse. The last words in Ruth read, and Jesse had David. King David, the hero David. It turns out that Ruth, a Gentile, a Moabite, is the great-grandmother of David, the greatest king of Israel. Ruth walked through an open door, gave her best yes to a big assignment to love her mother-in-law and leave her homeland. And this leads to the birth of Jesus, the son of David. And I love this idea from John, because here it is. Anytime you step through an open door, your story and Jesus' story begin to get mixed together, and you become God's story. So my very last idea, and I'm gonna push us just one minute overboard, is because I need to ask you, what is your truth? This is not with your worship guide, I will not do any active learning around this, but I need you to ask yourself, what is your truth? Do you have a truth weighing you down? Is it occupying your thoughts? Is it something you're gonna say yes to? Are you gonna go through the door for this truth? So we can choose to devote our lives to the pursuit of something more self-centered, such as, how can I become more important? Or how can I make more money? Or we can devote ourselves to a different type of truth, a God-sized problem. You are identified by the problems you embrace. So my God-sized problems are this. How do we get rid of climate change? How do we make better lives for the poor and the needy? How do I reduce air pollution in China where people are dying every day from it? How do I be more loving and kind to my family and friends? What is your truth? And it really only takes one of us to change the world, find a truth, seek and take action. Jesus, Mother Teresa, Michelle Obama, my mom. My mom sought truth her whole life. When she was a little girl on a bus in Florida, there was a little black girl sitting at the back. She said, hey, why don't you go sit in my seat up at the front? A Little past Rosa Parks, but it was important to her. She got her MS and PhD in nursing and devoted her life to nursing and public health. She created the parish nursing program at Loma Linda where they go out and minister and take care of elderly folks in Loma Linda and the community. She built the Children's Center because she realized that working moms need some place for their kids to go to be taken care of in a loving Christian way while they're working. And finally, she fought her whole life for women's ordination. And she believed and still believes today that women should be equal in the church and we have great gifts to give. And I hope someday soon that happens. So you have taken a road you've said yes you've chosen a door what's next accept and move forward reevaluate maybe you have to change your choice it's okay god holds the bigger picture we will never know why one door is open we will never know why one door is closed and we just got to get past it someday in heaven we can ask so the centuries come and go Generations of human beings find or fail to find the open doors that God places in front of them and now it's your day. It's your door. What's your best yes?